0: I'm Kaylee. I'm Alan. And this is the Split Take Podcast. Today, we're going to kind of change the tone of our mm-hmm. podcast for just one episode. Okay. Because the 16th is going to be Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about the Civil Rights Movement and Martin Luther King Jr. We're going to talk about Clara Looper, mm-hmm. who is the mother of civil rights in Oklahoma.
1: Yeah. Yeah. From And I'll, let's define it even further. From the standpoint of... Of a, a white kid that grew up in northwest Oklahoma in the late 60s, throughout the 70s and early 80s. And a white girl that grew up in...
0: The central United States. Yeah. I'm just going to leave it It's a yeah. lot. It's a lot.
1: And, and so... Because I wanted to find that, first of all, as we talk about what we're going to talk about. Because I agree it's a serious subject, but it's and, a cool subject.
0: Right. And that that's yeah. kind of our disclaimer yeah. is that, you know, we, these aren't lived experiences for us as far as the subject matter. We can't gonna, know what that's like.
1: But we can talk about from our perspective yeah. what it means for us now yeah in
0: 2023 yeah sure okay so I want to start with kind of a timeline for the civil rights mm-hmm. movement I'm sure that this is you know not unknown stuff to most of our listeners
1: you um, might be surprised
0: but it yeah and it kind of puts us in the right headspace mm-hmm. and in the right time period yep so we're going to start in 1948 July 26th Nineteen forty eight, President Harry Truman issues the Executive Order nine nine eight one to end segregation in the armed services. And that's sort of the start of this.
1: Uh-huh. you literally at that point you had soldiers that were in units that were either white or black, period. You didn't mix them together.
0: Right. Then in May of nineteen fifty four, so that's we I mean, that's quite a while later. May seventeenth, nineteen fifty four is Brown versus the Board of Education. Which was a consolidation of five cases into one. It was decided by the Supreme Court and it ended racial segregation in public schools. On paper, and a lot of schools stayed segregated. But this was mm-hmm. the official start to were, were desegregating the American school system. Then August 28th in 1955 was the death of Emmett Till. Um, and he was murdered... For allegedly flirting with a white woman in an mm-hmm. elevator, um, she did later admit to fabricating that.
1: Right, she recanted.
0: She did, um, and that caused uh, that qua- that caused quite a bit of attention to be drawn on mm-hmm. the civil rights issue. December first, nineteen fifty five, um, Rosa Parks refuses to give up her seat to a white man in Montgomery, and she was actually the second a black woman to do this. and So she did this in Alabama, and her defiance started a whole year of Montgomery bus boycott. Mm -hmm. January 10th and 11th of 1957 is when 60 black pastors and civil rights leaders from several southern states, including Martin Luther King Jr., meet in Atlanta to coordinate nonviolent protests against racial discrimination and segregation. So this was kind of their little summit. September 4th, 1957, nine black students, known as the Little Rock Nine, are blocked from integrating into Little Rock High School. Um, And eventually, Eisenhower had to send federal troops to escort the students in. In 1957, in September, um, the Civil Rights Rights Act was signed into law to help protect voter rights in 1960, February 1st, four American college students in Greensboro, North Carolina, refused to leave a Woolworths... Woolworths. Say that eight times fast. <laughs> I'm, we're going to take a... Listen, I'm really congested, so that I'm going to say the words as good as yeah, I can. Right. Sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to do my bestest. Yep. Um, they refused to leave a Woolworths whites-only lunch counter without being served. So they were the Greensboro four. Mm-hmm. And they were inspired by Gandhi, and it came to be known as the Greensboro Sit-in. It sparked sit-ins across the country,
2: mm-hmm.
0: which is really cool. Yeah. In 1960, six-year-old Ruby Bridges is escorted by four armed marshals as she becomes the first student to integrate into um, the William France Elementary School in New Orleans. Um, have you seen that Norman Rockwell painting? The problem oh, we yeah. all live with.
2: Yeah.
1: I, I was born in 1962. Okay. So keep in mind the stuff you're getting ready to talk about. I grew up seeing as a child. Yeah, we're so, almost we're yeah.
0: almost to your lifetime on yep. this. Mm-hmm. Um, in 1961, throughout the whole year, they had freedom riders. They took bus trips through the American South to protest segregated bus terminals, and they would attempt to use the whites-only restrooms and lunch counters. These were marked by horrific violence from counter-protesters, from white counter-protesters. And it also helped to draw international attention to the cause. Mm-hmm. In 1963, George C. Wallace, the governor, stood in the doorway at the University of Alabama to block two black students from registering. And this standoff continued until the president intervened. Which is...
1: I know. It yeah. sounds like caveman It history. sounds like a I whole know. other world to me. I know.
0: Um and it in 1963 that's 59 years ago mm-hmm. yeah it's not that far
1: and i'm and i'm telling you the next few things you're going to read and we're going to talk about this later but history is literally repeating itself right now and mm-hmm. the last 3 or 4 years for me it's like reliving 1968 69 all over again mm-hmm. so just keep reading it's insane some of the things
0: august 28th 1963 Um, 250,000 people take part in the March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom. This is where Martin Luther King Jr. gives his I Have a Uh Dream speech uh, in front of the Lincoln Memorial. September fifteenth, 1963, a bomb is set off at the 16th Street Baptist Church in Birmingham, Alabama, killing four young girls and injuring several others prior to their Sunday services, which fuels angry protests. In 1964, on July 2nd, President Lyndon B. Johnson signed the Civil Rights Act of 1964, preventing employment discrimination due to race, color, sex, religion, or national origin. This is Title. Is that Title Nine? I
1: think that's mm-hmm.
0: me. I'm a millennial. Uh,
2: seven.
0: Title Seven. Yeah. Title Seven of the Act establishes the U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, if you've ever applied for a job, you've seen this mm-hmm. little blurb at yeah. the bottom. Yep. 1965, February 2nd, um, Malcolm X is assassinated. In 1965, is March 7th, 1965 is Bloody Sunday. In the Selma March to Montgomery, around 600 civil rights marchers walk to Selma to the state's capital.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: In protest of black voter suppression. Local police block and brutally attack them. After successfully fighting in court for their right to march, Martin Luther King and other civil rights leaders lead two more marches and finally reach Montgomery on March 25th. Um, 1965, August 6th, President Johnson signs the Voting Rights Act of 1965. How many presidents have we spanned now?
1: Three.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, to prevent the use of literary tests as a voter as a voting requirement. It also allowed federal examiners to review voter qualifications. April fourth, nineteen sixty eight, Martin Luther King Jr. is assassinated in Tennessee. April eleventh, nineteen sixty eight, President Johnson signs the Civil Rights Act of nineteen sixty eight, also known as the Fair Housing Act. And this is I mean, we started in nineteen forty eight, so mm-hmm. this is this is twenty years. Yeah. This, this whole thing minute. we started
1: 48 It's more than three presidents. it would be four yeah in different terms but yeah
0: and this is I and that's mean, just the
1: start. yeah <laughs> you, you this is <laughs> such a bare get... bones rundown
0: yeah. of just all of the stuff that could happen in 20 years and it was a lot of stuff yeah. So do you want to introduce us to Dr Martin Luther King Jr?
2: Sure okay.
1: It's kind of weird. Kaylee, this is Dr. What? No, I know what you oh mean. My I'm supposed to be serious about you it. You are. This is a so, serious episode. So, Dr. R. Martin, there's a lot. I mean, there, this podcast could be done with 15 or 20 podcasts. Um, but but uh, he was born in 1929 in Atlanta, Georgia. So he's, he was born and raised in the Deep South. And, and the, literally, to be honest, most of the 20th century, the Deep South just there was segregation and separation amongst the races. It just is what it is. Right. Uh, he died in 1968, uh, was was shot down. He had done so many different things. Um, he was a pastor. Mm-hmm. He participated in the majority of the things that you just read about. Uh, but he was also very involved with the Southern Christian Leadership Conference. As a Baptist, and that's, a, that's a, a black church in the south in Montgomery, Alabama. Uh, he led the the March to Washington, uh, the speech on the Lincoln Memorial, um, but, but a lot of the stuff that he did, just being an activist, because being raised in the Deep South, mm-hmm. he, de- he dealt with being a victim, and he just grew up an angry young black boy that wanted to make a difference. His father was encouraging him to become a, a, a very vocal person. That's why he became a mm-hmm. pastor in the first place. But along with that, because of what he did and what he was in, involved in, he was even under investigation by J. Edgar Hoover and the FBI. He was actually yeah. in the FBI's wanted list. Um, and you got to put everything in context. That's the thing in the time. And you're talking about the governor of, of Alabama literally blocking the school. The governor is blocking the school. The president of the United States has to send troops in and say, Mr. Governor. Move. This is not a states' rights issue. This is a federal. I mean, yeah. you almost had another. You almost had another civil war on your hands at one point. Uh, and and all the time that this is going on, he's under investigation by the FBI in '63, but he won the Nobel Peace Prize in 1964.
0: That's crazy. Uh, in
1: 1965, he organized the the uh, the marches to Selma from Selma to Montgomery, uh, and, and then he went on. He didn't just fight about, uh, bigotry and, 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 and equal rights among, among between blacks and whites. He was also, he, he started fighting against poverty, the capitalist ideas and the Vietnam war. Yeah. So why he, who, why he was assassinated, uh, it could have been a multitude of reasons that the person that killed him did what he did. Yeah. So, uh, and then what a lot of people don't realize is, uh, is it took until 1986 for that to become a federal legislative holiday. Yeah. and President we'll, Ronald Reagan did it.
0: We'll talk about that yeah. here in a little while, what what all had to happen in order to get yeah. that designated. Um,
1: And I got to tell you, we were talking about this off before the podcast, and I want to share this. Being Being a little white boy growing up in northwest Oklahoma and people that grow up in the country probably can relate to this, you don't know what you don't know. And sometimes out of ignorance you you are you learn things and mannerisms or maybe or ideals that are by twenty twenty three standards are just weird. Right. But literally on Sunday morning in church we're told to love everybody, but then Monday in school or down at the corner drugstore or wherever you're taught well as long as they look look like us and talk like us. Mm-hmm. When we're talking about loving each other right here in this hometown, and growing up in a little town it's like well, you know, you feel comfortable and you feel safe. But I'm old enough to remember seeing the whites only signs. Mm-hmm. There still were some of those signs up, and and the sundowner laws, which was basically said if you weren't white and the sun, you couldn't stay here after the sun went down. Right, got to be white to stay in this town after dark, which is just weird weird but it was all of the towns right here in 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 northern oklahoma had those laws there
0: are some that technically still have those laws yeah, they're on, on the, the books. books i think they just never the they city, never repealed them but yeah. they're also not
1: enforced right city councils just never erased it off their books and 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 in their defense in Small town USA, where you have communities that are are still all white, ninety
0: nine point eight percent. Yeah,
1: it's never brought up as an issue. Even in in our in our business of being in the radio, there are federal mandates that say that we got to make sure it's called the Equal Employment Opportunity. Right. Got to make sure that everybody of every uh, male and female of every race, creed, and color understand that there's a job available here. Right and 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 we we actually had a discussion years ago with a federal uh, representative about Oklahoma's broadcasters, why it's especially in Northwest Oklahoma. you don't have any minorities right and our answer to that was, do you know how many minorities we have in Northwest Oklahoma in the middle of nowhere right. in in predominantly white communities were you are we going to import minorities to fulfill this obligation? And we actually argued argued the guy down going. We're going to make sure people know about the job, but we can promise you nobody's going to move here for this minimum wage level job.
0: We're not going to turn anybody away. Right.
1: And and, and so it's always been an issue. But back to when I was a little kid, I didn't know what I didn't know. And out of pure ignorance, I used to say things and do things. Uh, I didn't do anything, but I told the jokes and I had the phrases in me that I just did because it's just what we did. Right i didn't know it was wrong i genuinely didn't know it was wrong
0: yeah See, and i grew up in such a different
1: sure you did
0: i mean world in general because mm-hmm. i never lived in the same town for longer than like two years for a long time growing up mm-hmm. and so i experienced i wouldn't say a broad range of cultures but more
1: or oh, more than i did just simply because of The time frame that you lived in. The time frame
0: and the places that I lived. I lived in bigger towns. Mm -hmm. I I lived in different kinds of communities. And we weren't a wealthy family. Yeah. So we weren't living in the white suburbs most of the time. And, you know, anybody who's been to Oklahoma or Texas knows that the towns are not segregated, but they're segregated. Yeah. And so those were the neighborhoods we lived in because that's what we could afford, really. So, I don't know. I had a different experience growing up. And... So a lot of this stuff and a lot of these ways of thinking is very foreign to me.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and I I don't understand a lot of it. And I, at the same time, I really can't understand the impact that all of this stuff that we're talking about that's not at all ancient history, um, the impact that that has on people that are growing up, people of color and mm-hmm. in marginalized communities. I, there's no way for me to understand what that's really like.
1: What I what I find interesting is growing up and and I go back to being a kid and then graduating high school and going to college when I graduated my junior I think it was my sophomore year sophomore junior year at Oklahoma State mm-hmm. they just introduced the Tandy computer with the cassette deck in it it mm-hmm. had the memory on the cassette tape so I never had the internet I never had access to anything except Mouth to mouth, or reading a book, right? right? There was no influences outside of that for me growing up. Um, nowadays, it's there in front of your face in your smartphone, but you know, even that's really new technologies. But what I am sadly disappointed in is, here we are in 2023, and there are things about the last two or three years that literally hurt my soul because, in the last three years, we've done things to each other as a country mm-hmm. that we were doing to each other. When Martin Luther King was still walking the earth. Right. The things that he walked for. And I know that he's, he is, a, his name still to this day causes division among groups. Like, oh, he wasn't a hero. He was actually a terrorist. Oh, he wasn't a good guy. He was actually a bad guy. But he was marching for an ideal. Yeah. And that part I do believe in. I do believe he was marching for peace and, and the whole thing about having the, the white kids and the black kids play together. I never, the one thing that I do remember, I might have said some jokes. But my parents taught me that there was no difference in color. Mm-hmm. The jokes I told could have just as easily been sooner cowboy jokes or redneck jokes or whatever joke. It's just derogatory jokes, and I found out later on that they're not actually funny. They're no, just mean. and they're
0: damaging. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I
1: just don't tell them anymore. But um,
0: that's why it's important that you know we sit in a position, and this I know this is a point of contention for a lot of people, but we sit in a position of. Um, privilege. We really do. Absolutely. Because we don't, like I I, said, we don't experience a lot of that. And with that privilege comes a responsibility to not be ignorant about it. Because if my words, if I can make an offhanded joke and really affect someone's life in a negative way with that joke Mm -hmm. or perpetuate something that negatively affects that person, then I need to be more mindful of what i say and what i teach my kids
1: and, and i think that we right now are constantly my wife and i were talking about this just a couple of days ago everybody everywhere is so pissed off mm-hmm. so angry about everything it, and you know the in martin luther king's time there was not a cell phone to right. video the thing that was getting ready to happen to me with the police officer or whatever. And I know I'm going to make people angry about this one, but but one of the things right now that makes me really torqued is you've got the privileged person in the car who's videotaping himself, who's 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 typing, who refuses to roll down the window because it's his right mm-hmm. or her right. And I'm like, dude, just roll down the freaking window and let the cop do their job. You are not being put upon. Especially if you're white, because mm-hmm. there's still that issue. There is that issue in the law enforcement. Absolutely, it's not just is. about the cops, but there's a problem. But what's weird to me is people think that they're being their rights are being violated because you're being asked to give a piece of paper to identify you. You're not. Your rights are not being violated. Just give them your freaking ID. Right. We live in You're talking about the privileged society. We do. Yeah. We these do. people. These. These black kids could not get—they couldn't go up to a water fountain and get a freaking drink because it was a whites-only drinking fountain, for right. crying out loud. Right. It's so different. It's night and day different. This privileged society right now—and I'm not talking like an old man. I don't mean it that yeah. way because I'm right there with it. We've, we've, we have the right to breathe and die. That's sure. what we have the right to in this world at the end of the day, right? Right. But yet we have these things like, well, I've got the right to the Internet. I've got, I, I, I have the right to have a smartphone. No, you don't. No, you don't. That's a privilege. Right. And we live in such a time that should be and could be full of peace if we just quit arguing with each other. Yeah. You could just put your cell phone down and walk away. A
0: tiny bit of empathy <laughs> would go a long ways yeah. today because, I mean, when you go back to that, that police thing, mm-hmm. I grew up, I grew up a little white girl. Right. So whenever it came time to talk about the police and their role in our community and what I as a child could expect and where I could go if I was in trouble, there was no question about whether or not police were safe people. Right. But I know people and eh? I have I and hear. I have talked to people for what for whom that was not the case. Right. And, yeah. and rightfully so. That was not the yeah. case. And a little bit of empathy and not immediately getting in our feelings about, well, well, it's not me. Right. It's not me, so I don't know what you're talking about. I've never yep. experienced that. No one I know would ever do that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. If yep. this is their experience, and then I, it, it doesn't hurt you at all. It takes nothing from you to listen to that.
1: And I've, and I've got one of our co-workers, Clayton Nolan, has, a, mm-hmm. has been a longtime leader here in Enid. In fact, when you go to the city offices, it's actually the Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Municipal Complex. Mm-hmm. And Clayton Nolan was the man who got that done back yeah. when he was on the city council he had it renamed and so Clayton and I have had long discussions because Clayton is older than I am and, mm-hmm. and he grew up in the time of segregation and and we've just gotten there are times that we disagree to disagree because I just don't I I just can't understand it yeah I'm white and I and I admit that and, and I don't and I don't understand what it must have been like to be a young black man walk in the streets of enid oklahoma or any small town or big city and and have to be afraid of every police car that came by because i was black
0: right or growing up with generational trauma right because i mean every family has those generational Mm -hmm. generational curses where you pass down these things that aren't healthy or or you know your grandmother was in a fire and so now your entire family is really weird about fire Mm -hmm. it's that but on a large scale and I can't understand what it's like to grow up with that
2: yeah.
0: inherited trauma. Right. But but somebody who has can understand that better. Yeah. So let's talk about some lesser known facts about okay. Martin Luther King Jr. Because I've discovered some in researching for this podcast that I'd never heard.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And some of them are kind of neat. The first one being that his birth name was Michael. Um, And this one is... What?! It's lies. It's propaganda. No. <laughs> this one is, I think, probably more known than some other ones on mm-hmm. this list. But um, his father traveled to Germany. He was a pastor at Atlanta's Ebenezer Baptist Church. Traveled to, to Germany and was inspired by the Protestant Reforma- Reformation leader, Martin Luther. Mm-hmm. And as a result, he changed his name and that of his five-year-old son.
1: I That's, actually didn't know that. Uh,
0: the second thing is that he actually went to college at 15. He was such a gifted student that he skipped grades 9 and 12 and enrolled in 1944 at Morehouse College, where his father and his grandfather uh, attended. So he's the son, grandson, and great-grandson of Baptist ministers. That's, I mean, a long family tradition.
1: The other thing we don't realize is he was 39 when he got shot. He was only 39 years old.
0: His I Have a Dream speech was not his first at the Lincoln Memorial. He actually Mm -hmm. gave one... Uh, six years before that, during a prayer pilgrimage for freedom, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, he was imprisoned nearly 30 times. He went to jail 29 times for acts of civil disobedience and on trump up charges. Like, he was jailed in Montgomery in 1956 for driving 30 miles an hour in a 25-mile-an-hour zone. And if we were thrown in jail, every time we did that, some of us would never leave.
1: Nope. Especially
0: ever. here in Oklahoma. Yep. My goodness. Yep. Um, he actually narrowly escaped an assassination attempt 10 years before his death. Um, he was stabbed by a woman in Harlem, Mm -hmm. Isola Ware Curry. Um, she stabbed him. The tip of his, the blade came to rest alongside his aorta. Ooh. One sneeze would have punctured the aorta and killed him. She stabbed him with a letter opener. My goodness. I didn't read that really all the wow. way through before I looked wow. at it. I read the headline, but
1: dark part of the story. It was dark.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, his last public speech foretold his death. He said, like anybody, I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place, but I am not concerned about that now. I've seen the promised land. I may, not get, I may not get there with you, but I want you to know that tonight we, as a people, will get to the promised land, and I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. My nine's Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. It's kind of.
1: What's really cool is he—he uh, he was at the Lincoln Memorial when a lot of that was said. But later on, in 2011, I don't know if you even know about this or not. There's a Martin Luther King Jr. Memorial on the National Mall in Washington, D.C. Now, so there's an wow. area where people can go to see his his memorial too. It's only been there for about uh, 12 years or so. But, yeah. Yeah. Um.
0: Did you know his mother was also. Shot and killed.
1: I did not know that.
0: On June 30th in 1974, a 69-year-old Alberta Williams King played the organ at Sunday service inside Ebenezer Baptist Church. Marcus Wayne Chenault Jr. rose from the front pew, drew two pistols, and began to fire shots. One of the bullets struck and killed King, who died steps from where her son had preached nonviolence. Um, he said that Christians were his enemy, and although he had received divine instructions to kill King's father, who was in the congregation... He killed his mother instead because she was closer. He received a death sentence, death penalty sentence that was later changed to life imprisonment, hmm. in part due to the King's family opposition to capital punishment.
1: Wow. Yep. Interesting. You put all the stuff together and it's still all of it. It's, it's so chaotic and it doesn't make a lot of sense to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know we want to talk about Clara. One of the okay. things... What? Well,
0: yeah. The, sorry. The last mm-hmm. fun fact. Uh, fun. I don't know if any of these were fun, yeah. but um, lesser known fact mm-hmm. about Martin Luther King is that he was actually canonized. Yeah. So that would mean actually he was he was officially, ca- yeah, canonized, but as a <laughs> martyr. I was trying as to a think. martyr. Yeah. I'm not Catholic, so mm-hmm.
1: and neither was he. No, He was a Baptist. So which, which is I grew up yeah.
0: Lutheran, and I'm Pentecostal mm-hmm. now, which is a rapid and left handed Peno- shift. That'd be Pentecostal, Lutha, Lutha, Luther I don't Peno- know. I am Peno- probably the most buttoned-up Pentecostal <laughs> on the planet because I grew up Lutheran. Um,
1: but she'll stand up when they ask her to stand that's up. That's correct. And her I'm going to put my hands in my pockets <laughs> and everything's. And I love that you guys are having a
0: great time. I, I enjoy <laughs> watching that. That's fun for me. Um, I'm not going to participate. <laughs> so, because I'm not, I didn't grow up Catholic. The whole system of martyrs and saints and. Mm-hmm.
1: I don't get it. hierarchy either. or yeah. whatever,
0: it is Chinese to me. Yeah. I, I don't understand. Even cool. though he wasn't Catholic, I think mm-hmm. that's kind of touching yeah. because he was a man of God, and yeah. he did die for what he believed in. Right, so.
1: and, and I think that's where I stand on the whole thing, too. Knowing that he's a man of God, I know he wasn't perfect. He did a lot of stuff that's nefarious, are. And, and, and there were things growing up in the era that I grew up in, there were members of my family that couldn't stand him. Mm-hmm. There were members of my family that hated him. But the one, and this is the weird part of the whole time, at least the era that I grew up in, they, it was okay to hate him. Or actually, I should say it was okay to dislike him and dislike everything he stood for, but you got to love people. Right. And it was, and I remember as a little kid going, hey, you're throwing me mixed messages there, but okay, being where I'm from. And I, as I grew up, I figured out, I figured out what they meant. With And, and it we was still deal with that. We yeah, still I, deal
0: with that. I, um we gotta love each other, but not those people over there.
1: I think, not those yeah.
0: Republicans, not those Democrats. I we think don't like right
1: them. now, and and I wanted to get before you do because I think Clara Luper is a good way to wrap the whole thing up. Yeah. Okay. Growing up through the era of the '60s and the '70s and into the '80s, there was a time by the mid '80s, as I and it might have been that I was graduating from college and and things were I was young, but I swear to you, I remember thinking maybe. By the year 2000, there won't be any more segreg- or there won't be any more uh, uh, decisions made on the color of our skin. I, mm-hmm. I knew couples that were biracial; couples were springing up everywhere, especially in college, had like they'd never done before. It wasn't a big deal to see a black guy and a white girl, or a black girl and a white guy running around together. It was just cool, and, and even to the mid 80s, close to close to 1990, I was like. My son is going to be raised in a different world. Right. I was convinced that your generation wouldn't have to deal with, with the racism. And for whatever reason, and I'm, I still would like to get a handle on this, when Barack Obama was elected president, he was from a different political party than I belonged to and some of his politics I didn't agree with, but I was like, oh, my goodness, maybe this is it. Maybe this is the catalyst that will bring peace to our country where he can stand in a position going, I'm black, I'm a lawyer, I'm a successful person, I want to lead this country to bring it together, whites mm-hmm. and blacks standing together. together." And somehow the system, and I don't think Barack Obama had anything to do with it. No. I, I, I really don't. I think it was just the system, I don't think the world was ready for the United States to have a black president yet. I don't know that it even, I think it's further away now than it was before, but ever since that moment our country through the trump administration and even to the biden administration we've been at war with each other internally it's a peaceful war sometimes but i think it's worse in 2022 23 than it was in 1968 i think a lot of the ways. ways
0: i think a lot of the ways that papers reported on that race and talked about talked about obama and talked about all that stuff mm-hmm. really changed the way that a, we expect our politicians to speak
2: because yeah.
0: uh, politicians that have made it into office today on their platforms and publicly speaking the way they, they do mm-hmm. would never have been elected right. 20 and, years ago. And, and we've lowered our standards for how we expect or, to treat the people around us.
1: Or you know more about your politicians than they did during Martin Luther I absolutely King's think
0: those politicians would have in private rooms spoken me, the same way but I, there was an expectation of the mask
1: there was a there yeah there was a vast when you take a you could take a congressman from dallas texas and put him in the white house and he was raised i'm just i'm talking about johnson yeah. oh yeah i can promise you by today he was definitely a racist oh no absolutely own. nothing against i'm just saying it, it is a, it, in its time Right. And when you take it out of context, it seems weird, but in its time. But I just really did. I really thought we would figure it out. And and I think I, I don't know. It's like the, the harder one side pushes instead of relenting and saying, you know what, let's sit down at a table and let's talk about it and mm-hmm. find out it might be real simple. We just push back now. Right. And, and that's on your Facebook pages. Everything. And maybe social It's like, social oh, yeah, media. well, let's just see. Uh, you, you, uh, if you call me a jerk, I'm going to call you something worse.
0: Maybe social media and the internet and the vacuum that you can create, the idea of vacuum word. the only. The cesspool. The, yeah, we, just we, the, it's the echo cesspool. chamber, basically. Yeah. yeah. I think that has contributed oh, absolutely. quite a bit. Oh, absolutely. And so
1: it. I think it's to blame. Yeah. I really do.
0: Well, before we talk about Clara. Okay. Let's talk about mm-hmm. how long it took for uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Day to be a thing. Um, it actually was 15 years.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it took a long time.
0: You know, uh, despite the national fervor inspired by his death, the bill to create a holiday in his honor just had no congressional support. Mm-hmm. Um, Michigan Congressman John Conyers first proposed the bill on April 8, 1968 and did not give up. He continued to reintroduce that bill Every single year, with support of the Congressional Black Caucus, and just—I mean, just pushed until it got done. I,
1: I think, it, and I don't want to make this—I don't want to make this a political conversation, but I got to bring something up that I've always found interesting about our country and the perception of mm-hmm. who we are, and who we are as a country, but who we are individually. It is is right now in in the current stance? You have the Democratic Party that. Is is labeled, I'm, I'm using labels. Not my. I'm saying it's labeled as very leftist, and you have the Republican Party that's that's uh, labeled as very over to the right, conservative, liberal. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting when you go back. George McGovern was a Democratic governor. Mm-hmm. Ronald Reagan was a Republican president, and yet it's weird. It is, weird. And, and I don't think it has anything to do with liberal, conservative, Democrat, Republican. I think it has everything to do with the men and women that we elect to put in those chairs in Washington, mm-hmm. because that's what it is. It's not about a political party. It's about a character of a person. In my opinion, I didn't. I didn't like George McGovern when I was a little kid. I didn't understand it. I just didn't like him right. at all. It's just like he just looks like a mean old man. Uh, so I don't know. Isn't don't, it weird yeah. how just in the, in in a matter of 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 twenty five years how perceptions and things just continue to evolve mm-hmm. and again if we just sit down and talk to each other about it yeah you should go back and look there's some video on reagan signing that, that oh, doc, the, you yeah. know and, and 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 king's family being around him when he did it it's a pretty cool moment in history really cool yeah
0: let's talk about our very own yeah clara looper as
1: mm-hmm.
0: she was born clara may Shepard, may 3rd 1923 she died june 11th 2011 She was a civic leader, school teacher, and a pioneering leader in the American Civil Rights Movement. She's best known for her leadership role in the 1958 Oklahoma City sit-in movement. She, her young son and daughter, and numerous members of the NAACP Youth Council, successfully conducted carefully planned nonviolent sit-in protests in downtown drugstore lunch counters and overturned their policies of segregation. Um, The Clara Looper Corridor? is a streetscape and civic beautification project from Oklahoma City, Capital area, east to northeast Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. And she was an Oklahoma candidate for election to the United States Senate. She, through her life, or, you know, during the 1960s, she just continuously desegregated hundreds of establishments in Oklahoma. And she was active on a national level in the 1960s movements. Um, in 2003, in an interview about the challenges she faced, She stated, my biggest challenge, I think, was within myself, to believe that I could continue in spite of conditions. My biggest challenge was that I could continue to know, uh, my biggest challenge that I could continue without knowing where our next dollar was coming from. And the main challenge, and the main satisfaction, was knowing that someday we'd be able to do what my father, who was a veteran in World War I, was not able to do. And that was to enjoy the privileges of first class citizenship. And that right there is the definition of the American dream. Mhm. It's yep. the it's the idea that you will have better than your parents and your children will have better than you.
1: Yep. I agree. Yeah. Um and and I I want to I want to hope and pray that the millennial and the Gen Z generation figures it out before I pass away. Mhm. I know we're never going to get it perfect. There's always going to be, I mean, we, we've we grown up in a Sooner Cowboy nation. Oh, yeah. We know the them and us.
0: Oklahoma versus Texas. It, it,
1: it, it, but, but that's different. Oh, that, I'm sorry. It, but, but no, I'm, I'm saying it, it's different. I'm talking about the, the the them and us at the collegiate football oh, level. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's different. If you're talking about competing or just rooting for your favorite team. But when you're talking about those people over there that are, that are, dealing with stuff right that doesn't seem right you should sit down and talk to them and ask them why they don't seem right
0: you can help your bad taste in college you, teams you yeah, cannot help the yeah. color of your skin you,
1: you know exactly you know what i learned in the last two or three years that i didn't understand before and that we don't have time to talk about it on this episode i'll let you go look it up for yourself systemic racism mm-hmm and that's a totally different book altogether. And, and I'm like, well, that doesn't exist. And somebody should have started showing me stuff yeah. from my very own backyard. And I'm going, ooh, now I kind of understand it. I'm, I'm not sure how to fix it, but I get it.
0: I want to encourage our listeners, especially we're an Oklahoma-based podcast. Yeah. We have several Oklahoma, Texas listeners. Mm-hmm. So I would, I would like to encourage you. If that word systemic, if that if that phrase systemic racism makes you uncomfortable, take some time and look at it for yourself. Yeah, really just look, look it at it. Yeah, try to set yourself aside mm-hmm. and really look at it. Don't take it personally. No, just look at it.
1: it. Because in that that one we can fix. Yes, I can't. I can't go back to my great 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 grandfather's time and have him unown the slaves that he owned. I can't right. do that. And, and, uh, I can't undo the words that I said to a very young lab, a black lab partner when I was in college that destroyed our relationship. And I accidentally said something very derogatory Mm -hmm. using the N word and I didn't mean to, but that was the last time I used it in anger. Right. I will tell you, I learned that day. I can't undo that stuff. But what I can do is I can look at 2023 and go, why is it that, that I'm considered white privileged mm-hmm. and my friend over here that lives a half a mile away is considered black and underprivileged that part i don't understand right but i'd like to learn how to fix it because right. we're all kind of in the same boat together yeah so yeah and if you made it to the end of this podcast without getting ticked off and and stopping then congratulations that's a good start <laughs> so, um i want to
0: let it i want to end this podcast yeah. with some words from clara luber yeah so, in 1972, when she ran for U.S. Senator of Oklahoma, she was asked by the press, which this question that she was asked, I cannot fathom. Just from the 2023, I'm a millennial, almost Gen mm-hmm. Z, I yeah. can't fathom this question.
1: I'm, I'm, I'm almost baby boomer, barely Gen, Z, Gen X. So,
0: um, She was asked by the press if she, a black woman, could represent white people. Which sounds like
1: a, it's a stupid question. <laughs> sounds like it's from Mars, doesn't it? <laughs> it's a really stupid... I'm
0: sorry. There, There is such a thing as stupid questions, and it's this question. Um, she responded, of course. I can represent white people, black people, red people, yellow people, brown people, and polka dot people. <laughs> you see, I have lived long enough to know that people are people.
1: Yep. I agree. That's
0: all I got for all you. All
1: right. You want to find out more about us, you can holler at us, you can email us.
0: We're at split-take-pod at gmail.com
1: you can also check us out on facebook split
0: take podcast
1: and on instagram at split take pod and myspace at, no 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 myspace that dead. okay twitter
0: at split take pod
1: <laughs> see ya
0: see ya